HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meet and 3, we're celebrating Mardi Gras with an ode to the king cake, the most delicious custom of carnival season. This is kind of like terrible comparison, but it's kind of like a braided New Orleans babka, if you really think about the actual technique of it. Do we know why they put a baby in the cake yet? You'd better be careful where you get that cake because your friends and coworkers in New Orleans are going to have an opinion about it. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, we're doing something a little different, and I'm speaking with Stephanie Moses on the phone and Wendy Sherman, right across from me, from TerraCycle, the social enterprise that recycles hard-to-recycle packaging into backpacks, park benches, and shipping pallets. TerraCycle works with brands, manufacturers, and retailers in 21 countries to help collect and recycle waste, otherwise destined for landfill. At TerraCycle, Stephanie oversees a portfolio of more than 30 brand partners, including Procter & Gamble, Campbell's, and Mars, and Wendy is an account manager on the brand partnerships team with dozens of accounts, including mine, (laughs) helping make our pouches completely recyclable. I'm so glad you're both here today, or half here today, um, because I... I'm super proud of our partnership with TerraCycle, and I feel like not everyone knows kind of what's real and what's not real about sustainability and what's recyclable and, and you know, as Matt calls it, aspirational recycling, throwing things into the bin because you hope that they are getting recycled. Um, and I thought it just might be really helpful for people listening and other founders as they're thinking about sustainability and they're thinking about packaging um, to hear about the company. So welcome. 
Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us, Allison. Uh, We're really excited to be here. Yay. Um, So let's talk about sustainability, the word, a bit. I think it gets thrown around. Um, I have some background academically in it, but you guys know more about it than mine. Um, But, you know, one thing I just about our pouches, for instance, like we think about sustainability sort of holistically, inputs and at the end. So, you know, our pouches, for example, they take less fuel to ship. They take less water to produce. Um, and if they do end up in landfill, they take much less space. There's also less food waste. Food stays, um, you know, longer because you can reseal them, things like that. But the big issue that we had in, you know, the first year or so of business is people would say, are they recyclable? And our answer was always like, well, not in New York or like not in this municipality, <laughs> like, but they are, they are recyclable. Um, and then when we partnered with you guys, now we can guarantee to everyone, as long as they just type their name in, you know, and get an envelope sent, um, that, every single pouch will 100% be guaranteed to be recycled. So can you guys talk a little bit about just what you're seeing in the sustainability world, how you're seeing consumers think about sustainability, how you're talking about it, and sort of like TerraCycle's part in the whole ecosystem? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you summed it up really nicely, Allison, but... Essentially, what we do here at TerraCycle is work towards eliminating the idea of waste. And so we do that by way of brand-sponsored recycling programs where we can offer recycling solutions to consumers nationwide for products and packaging, including Haven's Kitchen's (laughs) soft pouches that would otherwise be non-recyclable. Um, We've seen, I think, in the past couple of years specifically, um, that the the issue of waste has become a major topic in the news among people. We're seeing that companies are caring about sustainability more, yeah. and um, for people, it's it's really driving their purchasing habits. Um, but part so of I'll, yeah. I'll pass it to Wendy. Yeah, I'll let her talk to uh, a bit why uh, things aren't typically recyclable. Right, because part of that is as consumers get more and more concerned, they think that the answer is everything in glass. Mm-hmm. And part of our response to that is like, actually, it, glass is really, really heavy. And if you're buying everything on Amazon and shipping everything or getting everything direct to consumer, or even just like, you know, buying it at a grocery store, it's mm-hmm. been on a truck, that truck has used fuel and it's had to carry a much heavier load in glass. It's also really expensive for companies to package everything in glass. Exactly. So talk a little bit. That's totally right. Um, so with both glass and plastic, there are benefits and drawbacks to both. You have glass can be recycled easily and it can be recycled an infinite amount of times. Um, but that's only if it gets recycled. Right. Um, that's on the consumer to, you know, put it in the recycling bin. And oftentimes we find that 
things just don't end up in the recycling bin right. sometimes that are easily recyclable. And like you said, glass is energy and re resource intensive during the manufacturing process. And as you mentioned, it's very heavy to transport. So its carbon footprint compared to the plastic pouches is much larger than um, what consumers and producers often find in the grocery store. And I also feel like I read that um, something like 25% of what people put into the recycling bin actually gets recycled, even if it is glass. Like it just doesn't end up, whoever is sorting it, something happens. And there's so little transparency into that world, which is one of the reasons why I really like working with you guys because I'm not just like fingers crossed about the whole thing. I am looking at the person who's telling me that my pouch is turning into a pellet and that pellet is becoming a park bench or a shipping container. Exactly. And part of the problem is that, you know, people aren't educated on what goes into the recycling bin or what can be recycled. So oftentimes we find that a lot of the, um, a lot of the shipments of recycling that once gets to a recycling facility may be contaminated with non-recyclables. So right. they then have to take out that whole shipment of recyclables mm -hmm. because there might be one greasy pizza box in it, right. whatever it may be, which is so unfortunate that, um, that all of that goes to waste just because of one instance of contamination. Right. So it's all great. And obviously I'm super like pro pouch and I'm super pro TerraCycle, but, and it's the big, but it still requires our consumers. It requires us signing up with you guys, which was not hard at all and not an expensive endeavor, by the way, for other founders. Um, <laughs> but it also requires consumers basically saving their pouches or whatever. I mean, we're clearly probably your smallest, your smallest company that you work with if you're working with Campbell's and Mars, but you know, or, or whatever it is, like they, they have to save their package. Basically they have to type in their name into your website. They basically wait for a self-addressed envelope to come to their house. Then they have to put in their things and mail them back. Now the people that are su like super diehard, obviously they know Again, it's 100% certain. They're not trusting that this isn't, you know, this is going to happen. They know it's going to happen, which is great. But it's still that extra step. And do you think, A, consumers are willing to take it? B, are, do you have plans to work to make it easier for consumers to recycle their quote unquote non-recyclable stuff? Yeah, it's a really great question. And we're always looking for ways to innovate to make the recycling programs we run as easily accessible to people as possible. Um, and so the way that the infrastructure of our envelope platform is set up with Haven's Kitchen is to make it you know, as widely available to as many consumers as possible on a national level, right? Right. And so through the mechanism of being able to request an envelope online and then send it back for recycling, it opens up the door for anybody anywhere in the United States to be able to recycle their Haven's Kitchen yeah. sauce pouches. 
Um, there are other ways that we're exploring collection. For example, allowing for certain types of locations like retailers and schools to opt in as public drop-off points so that people can bring their waste to those locations instead of sending from home. Um, And so, again, we're always looking to evolve the way that we allow people to participate in our programs, but really the bread and butter of of how people can participate is through this online model where they can access the right, uh, you know, uh, items necessary to be able to send back their products and packaging for recycling. But would those drop off, like, I like the idea of, I mean, because basically you could have in every kitchen in America, you could have like your trash, your paper, aluminum, hard plastic, and then your TerraCycle. Like you could. Um, And would you guys. It's actually what my kitchen looks like at home. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and you, and you basically, you can put anything in there except for like lithium batteries or something like that. Right. (laughs) Like you can't, you can't put hazardous material in there. But other than that, you could put everything in and mail it back to TerraCycle and they'll recycle it? Yeah. So there are a few different ways that people can participate, right? So there are what we called what we call our brand-sponsored recycling programs, and that's yes. how we're partnered with Haven's Kitchen. Right. So it's a brand who wants to offer recycling to their consumers for their products and packaging. Um, we also have what's called zero-waste boxes, right. and that's, that's a platform where any consumer or business or organization can purchase a recycling bin to place in their kitchen for kitchen waste, like you said, or mm-hmm. bathroom for bathroom waste, or whatever room or waste stream they're looking to collect for um, and put all of their packaging in that box and then send it back to be recycled. Um, So those are two different different platforms, but both allow people to be able to recycle what would otherwise have to go into the trash. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you guys recycle the unrecyclable. Can everything be recycled? So technically everything can be recycled. It's just what's practically accessible. So everything may not be practically accessible to consumers. So for instance, things like aluminum and plastic water bottles are recyclable through municipality recycling. Right. And this all comes down to economics. So those things are recyclable because the processing costs are much lower than the value you receive from the product at the end of the recycling process. So the guy who's basically, I mean, I don't even know, shredding down the aluminum and melting it or whatever, and whatever they come out with is more aluminum, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, that basically the cost of making that end product that then they sell to someone presumably to reuse in some other purpose makes it a good business. Yeah. So it's profitable because it, the processing costs are so low. Right. Um, but with materials like, um, flexible plastic pouches and, things like complex closures, even like blister packs like you'd find with Mm -hmm. gum. Right. Um, Those are not 
municipally recyclable because they're not profitable to recycling facilities. Because they, like in our case, because the pouches have a couple of different layers of different types of plastic. Exactly. Um, They're also, they're they're very similar to um, how you might recycle uh, grocery bags. Mm -hmm. So all of that falls under the category of flexible plastic pouches or flexible plastic packaging. Right. And um, because the processing costs are much higher for those items, um, the value you receive at the end of the process, whatever the end product is, is uh, lower value than the processing costs. So what we do at TerraCycle is we partner with brands like Haven's Kitchen to be able <laughs> and to... Mars. <laughs> and Whoever we partner with Procter to and be and able to... Big and small. To, <laughs> big and small. Whoever will partner with us. <laughs> to be able to like complete that delta, right. essentially, and be able to give the option to consumers all across the country to recycle their products. Right. Are there any brands or products or types of packaging that you guys have to turn away because you just don't have a solution for it? So we don't turn anything away. We actually have an amazing R&D team Uh that will look at any products. So we may have a company come in and say, hey, can you guys do this Mm -hmm. for us? Can you recycle this product? Um, You know, diapers have gone through our system as something that maybe we could recycle this. Um, And our R&D team took a look at it and they're able to figure out a recycling solution. There's actually a really great example that we have. Um, that is a, a glue that essentially as soon as air touches uh, the glue, it becomes impossible to right. um, separate. It's like industrial glue. So um, our R&D team actually figured out a way to um, to create powder out of like the, the glue containers because they might have residue of glue inside. Right. They turn them into powder. And then once they're in a powder state, they're able to recycle it. So um, that's the kind of innovation that we can come up with um, to be able to recycle anything. Yeah. Because I mean, the, you know, I, I did a bunch of research for this because I really, you know, I've been talking about sustainability and our pouches and whatnot. And I just wanted to triple check that I was you know, on the right path, which the research made me feel very good about. But reading about <laughs> pizza boxes, you know, I don't know anyone who doesn't recycle their pizza box or think that they're recycling their pizza box. But then I read that, like, a lot of municipalities, if they have some cheese still stuck on them or a little bit of grease or whatever, they just take them out of the, you know, group and they throw them into landfill. So there's people just putting things into like the clear bag, thinking that it's going one place and they're not even really sure what's making it actually into the recycling stream. So what, what does that regular, I guess, I guess the the question was sort of like, what's the regular recycling stream versus the TerraCycle recycling stream? But it's actually not that different, except that you guys figure out things like how to take that glue and make it into powder. But is the end result sort of the same? Do you guys kind of come out with the with the same end product? Uh, is it 
Is it just the profitability piece and sort of the creativity piece or is the actual process different? The process yeah, so is it totally the same. Go ahead, yeah, Steph. It depends <laughs> on, yeah, I was just going to say it, it depends on the material, right? So we can't take a plastic pouch and then turn that into metal. Plastic will always be plastic. Metal will always be metal. But in terms of the, the processing of those materials, um, what our R&D team does is comes up with the solution and and because they're not traditionally recyclable at your, you know, your processing facilities where the curbside recycling goes, mm-hmm. um, and because we have brand sponsors who are sort of funding the the innovation and right. research behind finding a recycling solution, the sky is is the limit in terms right. of how creative we're able to get. Um, but in in terms of access to consumers, it it really is the cost that makes recycling certain uh, products and packaging prohibitive. It's kind of, it's amazing to me. Okay, so can you walk me through what actually so we have on our on our new pouches, we have your little logo and it says like recycle at terracycle.com and then they go to terracycle.com and they type in Haven's Kitchen or Sunny Delight or Capri Sun or I'm just thinking of juices and boxes or things like that. And then, and then they get the self-addressed, you know, envelope, they stick in their pouches. I've stuffed it in like 16 used pouches. So, um, and you seal it up and you send it back. And then what happens? What happens to those pouches when they hit your address? Yeah. Um, once the envelope comes back to TerraCycle, it goes to our warehouse and they empty the pouches out and aggregate them with like materials. So the pouches are then sent to our third party strategic partners where they're shredded and then melted. And there they're, they're extruded into pellets. And then, then these plastic pellets are used to turn into new recycled products like lumber to create decking or benches or picnic tables. There's really an endless amount of products that it could become once it's turned into plastic pellets. So does every, does pretty much everything plastic, whether it's like hard or soft or multi-layered or whatever the different kinds of layers are, do they all end up as those pellets? And those pellets then go on to being that stuff that we see everywhere? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, the only difference with um, the flexible plastic pou- pouches is that hard plastics and flexible plastics are separated during the recycling process. Mm-hmm but they end up turning into plastic pellets in the end. Do people send you saran wrap <laughs> or like baggies? Like I, cause you know, <laughs> they can. Yeah. yeah. So we, we don't have a brand sponsored program currently for right. that type of packaging. Ziploc, but if you're like listening, our, yeah. S E Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, exactly. Through the zero waste box platform, they would be able to right. purchase the appropriate kind of box for that type of packaging. And Stephanie, um, while you're at it, just the do you do you have to go find 
customers for those pellets to make that decking and, and the picnic tables and things like that? Or do they come to you? Or how, how is there like a brokering system for pellets? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so it's so a couple different answers. So TerraCycle works with third-party processors and manufacturers for all of our all of the materials that we're recycling. Um, and the the reason behind that is because it allows us to to solve for the widest breadth of waste streams as possible, right? So if we held certain, you know, processing equipment in-house right. or manufacturing equipment, we would be limited in terms of, of what course. we'd be able to recycle. Right. So no, because we're able sense. to source these partners, yes, right. um, we work with third-party processors and then manufacturers who take the pellets and create new products from them. Got it. Um, so it's we not also on the... Brands, on, sorry, it's not on the the processor to figure out where to send, sell the pellets to. You guys take care of that whole thing. They're just sort of like an outsourced production team. It, like it a co-packer would yeah, be for it me. Depends. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So it depends. So it, it depends on the processor. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is that some brands choose to leverage their recycled uh, pellets or um, alloys or whatever material we're recycling and what that turns into to create new products that they can use to donate, you know, to different communities in need. So, Got it. Um, you know, a brand partner might choose to have their products and packaging recycled through TerraCycle and then will help facilitate having those pellets turned into, let's say, lumber for garden beds that could be donated to schools right. or garden organizations across the country. So cool. some brand partners choose to actually create the story, the right. sort of closed loop story of what happens to the waste and then what they're doing with it once it's been recycled. I hope one day we have enough pellets made out of our pellets. Right now we'd have like yeah. a half a picnic table. <laughs> I feel like yeah, we'd have like two legs on a picnic table. <laughs> yeah. Rest, rest assured. It's all being recycled, um, no matter what, whether it's a bench that you have, you know, on site or right. a bench that lives, you know, in a park somewhere else in the country. It's very cool. So again, this company was not born yesterday. Like this company has been around for 19 <laughs> years. Can yes. you tell me a little bit about the history? Because it's kind of crazy. Yeah, so TerraCycle has uh, an interesting history. Um, we were founded in 2001 by our CEO, Tom Zaki, who was actually a student at Princeton University at the time that he came up with TerraCycle. And uh, really, TerraCycle started as a worm poop fertilizer company. <laughs> um, so very different than the work that we're doing now, right. but with the same mission that we still have, which is to eliminate the idea of waste. Right. Um, and so as TerraCycle has evolved over the past 19 years, um, we're constantly thinking of different ways to eliminate the idea of waste. But about five to 10 years into TerraCycle, um, you know, launching as a company, um, Tom came up with this idea of recycling programs and offering recycling solutions for products and packaging that are traditionally non-recyclable. So that's really been the bread and butter of how we've been operating. Um, and then, of course, within the past few years, innovating across 
um, you know, different lines of business, but still working towards the larger goal of keeping as much waste out of landfills and incinerators as possible. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Loop and all the other fun things Mm -hmm. that TerraCycle's doing. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Stephanie and Wendy from TerraCycle. Okay, so Stephanie, tell me a little bit about Loop, because it made big headlines in the last couple of years. I feel like TerraCycle's been doing this like quiet, awesome work. And then <laughs> and then Loop kind of came out of the blue and everyone's super pumped about it, which is great. But tell me about what they do, how it's connected to TerraCycle, kind of the whole system of the company. Yeah, sure. So um, at TerraCycle, we're primarily focused on recycling. So um, tapping into the way that people currently consume products in this day and age, which is really through single-use disposable packaging. Um, And so we're really focused on providing that Band-Aid to single-use products. So that's how we work with brand partners to provide recycling solutions for typically non-recyclable products and packaging. Loop is actually a paradigm shift in how we currently operate specifically in the CPG world. So um, the, the goal of Loop is to eliminate waste through ending single-use packaging. Right. Um, so providing people with a really convenient and easy way to be able to use durable, reusable products and packaging by way of a online e-commerce subscription-based platform. So we're partnering with brands really across every CPG category who are all redesigning their packaging uh, to make it durable and reusable. And then through the loop system, people are able to order their common household products, use it when they're finished, put it in what we call the loop tote, and send it back to be cleaned, refilled, and sent to the next person. 
Um, wow. So it's, it's removing the packaging mm-hmm. from uh, the consumer's ownership and, and really having it, the product be what they're focused on getting on. Um, and, and so Loop uh, launched in 2019 in the greater New York City area and Paris, um, oh, but wow. is expanding to other yeah other markets in 2020. Um, so so yes, it's had a fantastic response uh, in the media and uh, among people, and so uh, we're really excited about what the future holds with this uh, this sort of platform. Yeah, I have a I have a vision of just like pumps of our sauces <laughs> at every grocery store in America. Yep. And you can just, like, <laughs> you know, like original bulk store, but of, you know, of sauce yeah. that's refrigerated. I yep. don't know quite how it's going to work, but that's not <laughs> for me to figure out. Um, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like people yep. are trying, they're trying, you know, to go back to bulk or to, you know, mm-hmm. reuse bags and and everyone, I think, understands at this point that there's a problem. Um, the problem, mm-hmm. though, is also that we live in a society that just values convenience pretty much over yep. everything. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not passing judgment necessarily, but it's hard to imagine a world where people aren't buying consumer packaged goods. Um, and, and I think, you know... F- it may, you know, I keep thinking when I'm, when I picture like the loop kind of news, I'm picturing the Haagen-Dazs. Yeah. I feel like there's like mm-hmm. a metal, like aluminum, some sort of like cold, yeah. able, you know, tin, um, that your vanilla Haagen-Dazs comes in. And I'm thinking for, you know, a Procter and Gamble or Unilever or whatever, like they can fill shampoo bottles that get sent back to them pretty easily for smaller companies, it's like we almost care a little bit more, but we have fewer resources to be able to do anything mm-hmm. about it. Exactly. Um, so tell me about other, like, other small companies, you don't obviously have to name them, that are doing cool things. Like, are there other pouch companies like ours that are, that are working with you? Or are there, other, are there packages out there that I don't even know about that are doing cool things that were previously considered unrecyclable? Yeah. So we partner with quite a few brands who have similar packaging to Haven's Kitchen. So uh, the pouches with the rigid plastic top. Yep. Um, we're doing really cool uh, recycling for contact lens and blister pack waste, wow. um, which is really cool. Cigarette contact recycling. Lenses. Yeah. Yeah. What do you we do with cigarette recycling? Program. Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. <laughs> so, it's not a it's not a project that Wendy or I work on specifically. <laughs> so, I would have to check back with our right. R and D team on the exact process. But uh, we've had a, a cigarette program for quite a few years. Um, we just launched a program for razors, the blades and handles. Oh wow! Um, and so we're really, I think, pushing the envelope in terms of the types of products and packaging that we're, uh, we're accepting and really trying to, to offer a solution for everything, um, if we can. Wendy, you said that before you joined TerraCycle, you didn't know that TerraCycle existed. Mm-hmm. Um, a, how do you feel since you've joined 
and Stephanie is your boss or yeah. Great. So, so no pressure at all. <laughs> so <laughs> Stephanie is yeah, a fabulous. Amazing. <laughs> Stephanie is a fabulous supervisor. No, I'm not just saying that. Um, but our, I mean, what have you learned basically since yeah. you started? Yeah. So I actually heard about TerraCycle, um, through the loop launch right. process. And, um, I actually heard about it in a class, um, through, you know, just news sources that we were presenting about that day. And cause you were an environmental, yeah. environmental studies major. Yeah. So I was environmental studies and business right. joint major. Um, and I heard about TerraCycle and I figured I'd check it out. I ended up speaking with an alumni who works at TerraCycle, and it was such an incredible conversation. I got extremely excited about the work that TerraCycle does and just the environment that it is. Um, if you have the chance, Google TerraCycle offices because yeah. we have the most incredible office. It's full of upcycled <laughs> and recycled products. Can you explain the difference between upcycled sure. and recycled? Yeah. So upcycled products are essentially when you can see what the product used to be, but it's in a new function. So something like a wall creating made out of plastic bottles. Exactly. Right. Something like even creating a, you know, a dress made out of snack bags. Yep. So you can see the snack bags in their form, but now they're a completely different function. They right. serve as a dress. Got it. So and recycled products change their form and function. So something like snack bags can then become you know, a recycled park bench once you melt down right. the the aspects of the right. snack bag. Is there anything, Wendy first and then Stephanie, that you wish consumers knew or understood that you feel like is generally getting lost in sort of the reductive Twitterverse? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Something that I wish everyone knew, it's less one thing that everyone should know mm -hmm. and more about the greatest problem in sustainability right now is the lack of awareness and education. We are just pelleted with information coming from different sources right. that is not consistent. Right. And because we have so many regulations changing and municipalities with different rules, it's very challenging for the consumer to understand what can be recycled in their municipality, right. why things aren't recycled, why things are recycled, what should be going into the recycling bin. So it's just about educating the consumers to be able to understand Right. what makes something recyclable. Yeah, and, and even, I mean, even make better choices, right? Because... Exactly. I mean, I have a friend who has an amazing product. It's been made in glass. She will not be able to make that product anymore if she doesn't change it over to plastic. And she's mm -hmm. terrified that she's going to lose a ton of customers because people think that there's something inherently honorable or mm -hmm. like, you know special, I guess, but it it's prohibitive mm -hmm. for her. It's either that or kind of double the price. 
which people don't want to do either. Yep. Exactly. And a lot of it is that consumers just don't have that same connection that we once had of where our products come from. Right. You know, usually you're grabbing it off of a grocery store shelf. Right. Whereas before people were getting it straight from their local farmer. Yep. Um, So we're just a lot more disconnected from what we're buying now that we don't see that full process of manufacturing, even starting with extracting the resources, manufacturing the product, what's going into our products. And then, and then it ends with us having this packaging that we might not know what to do with. Yeah. There was something really ironic to me. You guys don't have to comment, but I'm going to Matt, you might want to comment. Just about Jeff Bezos, like putting $10 billion toward the environment when Hmm. all he had to do is like not have people buying all of the stuff that they buy all the time and shipping it all over the world. Like I, you get these boxes of something you could have just like gone around the corner to the bodega to get that. And, and people just aren't putting together that box is like being, you know, flown or shipped or, you know, the fuel that goes into buying your bar of soap and the, and the packaging material. I mean, there's just something disconnected about the way that people are thinking about this. It's like, there's never been more kind of anger and upset about the environment, quote unquote. And yet people, for the most part, are buying more bottled water than ever they're shipping more things mm-hmm. than ever. They want convenience more than ever. I don't know. Stephanie, what about you? What do you wish everyone knew? Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is what we find is that people actually care about recycling the most of all of the other aspects of sustainability because the points that you're you're calling out, it, it's not consumers can't see it you know myself included you're you're not as in the loop with what that process looks like right when you have a product and you use it and you have that packaging at the end that's when you're forced to make a decision about what to do with it so of of all of the different aspects of sustainability recycling is what consumers can touch and you know right then and there make a decision about what they want to do with their packaging right um, and so what I would say is that, you know, consumers have the power, right? You you get to decide how you buy. You get to, people say, sort of vote with your buying power mm-hmm. by, by choosing brands and companies who offer solutions for their products and packaging um, because ultimately, you know, what people want, what people buy will inform how companies you know, operate. Yep. And so people really do have the power to, to make a, a change with, with their buying power. Yep. Matt, do you have any final words? I was, I was going to stay out of it because I feel like, isn't that, isn't, haven't, the reason the recycling is so high on people's agenda is because they've been trained by corporations to believe that it is their responsibility to solve the problem of what to do with the thing they've been they've been told to purchase but in fact those companies had choices much further upstream about how they package their product right and could have just not given people 
the items in that particular packaging such that they were forced to make that choice. I, I just feel like it was a very intelligent and targeted campaign to sort of like offload the responsibility, quote unquote, onto consumers instead of on corporations where it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because that goes back to, or I mean, I had qualms, frankly, about creating a consumer packaged good period. Right. Like I'm teaching people Mm -hmm. how to cook from scratch because it's good for the world. Right. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. for me to make one of our sauces, you have to do a lot of work. A, you have to buy a bunch of ingredients. You do have to use a lot of, you know, there's there's stuff that goes into it. So we feel like, you know, in our gingery miso sauce, you'd basically have to buy eight packages of things. Jars of, Mm -hmm. you know, tamari, packages of miso, a bottle of sesame oil, whatever it is, and do all the work. So we feel like we're, we are making, you know, but we're still putting a packaged good into the world, you know, and, and we all have to be thoughtful about that. You're right. And I think the bigger companies Mm -hmm. have to be more thoughtful because they have more money to think about it. You know, someone like me someone's got to end up paying for it, right? And it's either going to be the consumer who's paying more for the product, which they don't want to do. Um, but we might end up with less products. Yeah, and I was not, I'm not trying to blame the more thoughtful, like <laughs> modern day brands. I I'm, know. I'm trying to blame like 30 or 40 years of yeah. a, like corporate campaign to convince people that it's their fault if yes. things end up in the landfill. No, for sure. And it's funny because one thing human beings over centuries have not been good at is thinking about, huh, what's this going to look like in 20, 30 years? Like if Mm -hmm. I burn down this field now to like grow the thing, I'm not going to have any shade cover and, you know, we'll, anyway, we won't, we won't go down that road, but, um, I want to thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, I really liked this conversation. Again, it was a little different than sort of the normal in the sauce episode, but I feel like it was really worthwhile Founders, um, obviously, you need to be thinking about your packaging. I'm sure that is no surprise to you. It does matter. Consumers do care, and you should care too. Um, so make sure that there's something cool that you can do with it or that there's something about it that makes it less offensive to the environment than otherwise. And consumers, um, definitely check out TerraCycle if you are a Haven's Kitchen sauce buyer, please do recycle your pouches at, you know, terracycle.com, basically type in Haven's Kitchen. Wendy and I have been making sure that every way that people could mess up the spelling of Haven's Kitchen, if they write Heaven's Kitchen, Mm -hmm. if they write Haven had a kitchen, (laughs) if they don't put an apostrophe, if they put in six apostrophes, we want to make sure that you can recycle your pouches. Um, obviously for more information on TerraCycle, go to TerraCycle.com. There's a ton out there on loop. Um, I won't give them your cell phone number, Wendy. Is that a good plan or yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, I'll be back with another episode of in the sauce next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Matt. In the sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.